Welcome to Ununinformed. I'm Kendall Monette. And this is Sean Seavey. Each week we bring you stories that keep you up to speed and connected to the world around you. We give you the news that matters so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends. Today we're talking with our Star Wars correspondent from a galaxy far, far away, Jaron Jansen. Welcome to Ununinformed, Jaron. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's, it's warm here on Tatooine. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't the planet that got destroyed, that's right. No, not yet. Not it's still around. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Rogue One. Um, it's called Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. It's the first, quote-unquote, standalone Star Wars movie, um, which I guess means it's not part of the original Star Wars saga. So, um, Jaron, kind of tell us a little bit of how uh, Rogue One fits in the whole Star Wars uh, episode saga. Yeah, uh, that's a great question, something that I think a lot of people aren't quite sure on how it all fits in. So, I mean, we all know we have episodes one through seven, in this, and, and those are what constitute the Star Wars saga. If it has, like, an episode title, then that's part of the saga films. And so, uh, for the first time, Lucasfilm is doing what they call a standalone movie, which is outside of that episode framework. And I think that's what's confusing people, right? Uh, Rogue One actually falls in the timeline of the saga, and it's still part of what we call the Star Wars canon, so it's official story, and it fits in with everything. Episode 4, or A New Hope, which is the very first Star Wars movie ever released in 1977. And we know that in that movie, Princess Leia has the Death Star plans, and she's you know trying to get them back to the Rebellion. And in, in, the, in the crawl, so the, the yellow writing that pops up at the beginning of the movie, it talks about how the Rebellion has won its first battle against the Empire. And... Princess Leia was able to get the plans uh, for the Death Star from uh, rebe- rebellion agents who, uh, in the middle of the battle, they were able to, uh, to to get them out. And that's the first major victory or against the Empire uh, by the Rebellion. And that's what Rogue One is all about, is, is that little line in that Star Wars crawl is, you know, the first major battle and getting the Death Star plans. And so we kind of already it's, know. It's a great movie. Yeah, we, we already got, kind of know the story. So, um, sure. so it, uh, so we say it's a standalone film, but wait a minute. Like I've, I've seen another standalone film and like, they say this was the first standalone film. I watched Ewok adventures in the nineties. So was that yep. not standalone? Yeah. The no, Ewok Sean, was that animated or no, no, this was like, like the, they were live action. Yeah. They had like gotten the. The bad the the bad guy had taken these little kids' parents and Ewoks were helping them or something. It was kind of cheesy, but that yeah, doesn't so, make it. So those movies, yeah, those movies were made in the mid '80s for TV. They were made for ABC, and uh, George Lucas basically wanted to reuse the Ewok costumes uh, from Return of the Jedi and uh, give people a little extra Star Wars. And they were very much aimed at children. There were there was no focus on any adult fandom at that point at oh, all. But it was scary. I remember being terrified by the monster. <laughs> I'm just being, you know, vulnerable here. I, I, I absolutely remember watching those as a kid, too. And uh, they've, they've only been ever released on video or DVD once, as far as I know. And uh, they're, they're a hard item to get, though you can watch them on YouTube. The quality is what you might suspect for a, for a TV movie, but in the in the second film you do have Wilford Brimley protecting the uh, the little girl who's been orphaned. Her her parents were killed, so another good Star Wars theme there. You know, if, if your parents or guardians aren't killed, then you're not going to be much of a hero in Star Wars. <laughs> I'll have to watch it again because I think we have the VHS recorded off of TV. That's kind of uh-huh. cool. Yep, that's how I watched them too. Yeah. Yes, we still have it. I wonder if like. It's it'd be a prized commodity now, even though it would be illegal to sell it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but I will say uh, they're they're those are no longer considered part of what we call the canon, right? They're uh, when when Disney bought Lucasfilm in 2012, they kind of did a clean sweep, and so everything that had come before that was basically what they they, they labeled it legends. So it's still around; people can enjoy it. You know, no one's going to come in and take your VHS off the shelf and burn it or your books or whatever. But uh, it's no longer officially tied to the story. So future authors or movie makers don't have to give it any kind of clearance when they're making 
their film or writing their book or creating their video game or anything like that. Which I think is so funny that um, the only time in my life, um, because I had Star Wars nerd um, roommates, um, hopefully they're listening right now, but uh, the only time (laughs) I really hear the word canon is when, like, religious people are talking about what is according to the Bible and Star Wars. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Like, I don't know. I can't think of anything else where they talk about canon. It's like, oh, this is inconsistent with the canon, so they took it out, you know? Um, (laughs) Kind of like, uh, you know, the reason why the Apocrypha was not not accepted into the Bible. But I don't want to get too too deep into that. But just well, interesting. I, I'll just say it does it does show you the devotion of of Star Wars. Religious, fans, right? yeah. <laughs> they they take this very seriously, um, and and people have put a lot of time and money into collecting these stories and learning about these characters and all these things. And so you know it's it's important to people. And and when Disney comes in and buys Lucasfilm and gets rid of what you know what we had before. It, it made a lot of people uncomfortable and nervous, uh, disappointed, angry. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm one of the fans who who sort of expected that to happen when Disney bought Lucasfilm. I mean, you can't expect them to 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 build new movie, you know, movies, stories, and things like that around 40 years of of novels and comic books and things that people had never heard of, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, if you're going to recoup $4 billion, you're going to need to make some major blockbusters. And some of those are going to step on previous stories toes. So I think it was, it was probably a good call just to say we're starting over. And uh, Disney says that they believe Star Wars has a 40 year shelf life at least. So, wow. you know, you can't, I mean, if they're going in that direction, they, they needed to, uh, to start fresh. And, and I think that's fine. I think they've done a really good job on relaunching the, the franchise. I mean, we've, we're now year four of, of Disney's ownership, and we've had two, you know, excellent movies. I think people are, are, are happy with those. We've had um, an animated show that's doing very well, and the fans are are overall pretty happy with it. And then some some excellent books and comic books. And, you know, um, pe- we, we as Star Wars fans certainly miss some of those old characters that were introduced in, in previous stories, but... Uh, Lucasfilm is very responsive, and they're actually reintroducing a lot of the elements that we liked from those stories too. So right, right, and I have you know yeah. brothers that were born um, during you know Empire Strikes Back era, and they really were impressed with uh, what Episode Seven kind of brought back some of that old school stuff. Um, Absolutely. So, so kind yeah. of uh, before we move on to uh, kind of a different section here, um, so just give us your final thoughts on. Uh, Rogue One, did it uh, live up to its expectations for you or for most of the Star Wars uh, nerds out there? Without any spoilers, by the way. Yeah, without Without any spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, we don't want people to turn off the podcast mid-podcast. Well, it might be hard. I've seen it twice, and I've loved it. Uh, I I will say that. Um, The the idea for Rogue One, I think think that uh, it it was a great play to to create this movie and we were told from the beginning when it was announced in 2014 that there was going to be a Star Wars war movie um and with a focus on you know the rebellion and the empire their militaries and you know the spaceships and all that stuff that we've kind of loved in Star Wars uh but no Jedi and uh and it's it, it's interesting the direction they they took it 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 is a war film it's dark it's uh it's tense there there's a lot of fighting and uh you know things blowing up and it's it's action packed that's actually something and, i noticed too about the uh the motivation of the soldiers the grunts that yeah. go with the main characters to the last battle i loved that scene i loved their i mean people who haven't seen it sorry Sean but okay sure I i'm the only one their... in the room that hasn't so <laughs> <laughs> I just loved how they they described their motivation and it really it struck a chord with me. Right, and I think you know in in the in the saga films in the in the trilogy, sometimes you know death and sacrifice are kind of glazed over a little bit. Um, yeah. And there's there's a lot more humor and and swashbuckling in those movies, but in Rogue One, I think they've focused a lot more on the on the costs of ambition and war and. The, the tyranny that the, the empire has brought about and what that has cost, 
you know, families and even religious worshipers. And it's, it's, it's really interesting the way they, the way they took the, the movie. And it's, it's, it's a different feel from Star Wars. And I, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't let younger kids who are already familiar with the other Star Wars movies necessarily watch Rogue One right away because it is darker. It does focus a little bit more on the death. There's no blood or gore, but um, it's 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 a little bit of a downer compared to the other Star Wars movies. Great. As, lo- as much as we like talking about a galaxy far, far away, let's talk about what's happening right now. Um, we're going to put a little Star Wars spin into it, um, and uh, this should be interesting. But since Star Wars, uh, like we said before, is something that's quite religious for some people, um, I believe this will make politics maybe a little closer to home, not so far, far away. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you like how I said that? Um, that was good. Um, so, let's talk about Trump's cabinet. Um, it, it's been building up for the, the last uh, several weeks, ever since he's been put in as the president-elect. And uh, finally, we've got most of the cabinet in there. So we're finally going to cover it here on on Uninformed. And we're going to associate each member of the cabinet with a familiar Star Wars character. Let's start with our very own President-elect Donald J. Trump. So if we're going to connect him with a Star Wars character, like I know liberals will definitely say that he is the emperor. And there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of arguments for that. I mean, he used to be one of us. I mean, this is liberals talking, not me. He used to be, you know, he used to be a Democrat and he's forsaken us. And that's exactly what Senator Paul Patin did. He was with the good, good guys. And then he totally went, you know, went the other way, but really the whole time he was, you know, pulling a sleight of hand and really, you know, this was his whole thing to get rid of the force for good, the the Jedi and all of those things. And another argument for him being the emperor is like the empire is all one race. And uh, I, I'm also going to give him a good guy character, but let's, let's talk about this for a second. So I've talked to a lot of people, uh, Jaron, that said that, uh, you know, the empire, if you notice, they're all these, they're all humans. There's no other aliens. They're all these white humans. And that's kind of like, you know, Trump has been known for uh, or has, has been criticized for being a little more toward right, white supremacy and putting people on his staff that are about white supremacy. Can you kind of comment on that, how the empire was one race? I didn't notice that until somebody pointed that out a couple months ago. Yeah, it, it's kind of a theme in, in Star Wars that uh, the the empire has been much more human focused. Right. And uh, so that's why you never see an alien in a in an imperial uniform, for example, right? Yeah, I never noticed um, that. Yeah, the, the and that's part of the the oppression angle for of the empire, right? There. That's they're your privilege, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an alien. I, and I can think of plenty of great aliens you could be, but uh... <laughs> yeah, why don't we put ourselves as you know Star Wars characters? But let's talk about you know Trump first. Okay, go go for it. Sorry. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's something common in in the Star Wars films uh, that. And it's it's carried through in, in Rogue One as well that the the leaders are you know all uh, white males and they uh, they they run the galaxy the the way they want it to to be you know reflected. So um, I, I think that was a major theme in in George Lucas's development of the Empire. I mean they're clearly based on the Nazis. Their uniforms look like Nazi uniforms. Uh, you have you know the white males and it's uh, it was definitely a theme that that uh, George Lucas put in Star Wars on purpose. Oh, and maybe that's why they had British accents because, like, I don't know, Nazi is European. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, was... it gives them it, it gives them that snobby kind of sound, right? Yeah. Um, I, no offense to any British people, but I think that's what George <laughs> Lucas was going for. Because if you if you listen to it, most commonly the the rebels have American accents. Yeah. Not always, but m- most of the time. And uh, the Empire has these British accents. And in-universe, that's kind of explained by you have the core worlds who are very urbanized. They have, you know, places like Coruscant that are completely covered in cities, and they're very well-educated and all these things. And 
and so they're they're sort of the the, the snobs and they know better than everyone else, right? So that's why they've they've taken the empire throughout the galaxy and are subjecting all these other alien worlds who are uncivilized, you know, and have all these strange cultures and beliefs and all these things to the the empire of, of science and technology and using that knowledge to create things like the Death Star, right? So they can subject these other worlds to to their view of, of doing things. So. Wow, and I'm sure there's some something we could learn about, you know, having uh, from the Nazis or from the Empire um, I, the, that mm-hmm. we shouldn't implement in our society. Um, but I want to go on to uh, I want to be a little more optimistic about Donald Trump because he's going to be my president. Um, I'm not going to hold the not my president as he gets put into office. Um, so I'm going to put him with the role with the good guy, um, not the emperor. Um, but I'm not going to disagree that Donald Trump is self-centered. He doesn't take crap. He's definitely an outsider. He is Han Solo. <laughs> I'm interested to hear Jaren's take on that. Oh, okay, go for it, Jaren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you guys didn't tell me ahead of time all these characters we're assigning, but uh, <laughs> let's see. I mean, Han Solo, uh, you know what? You you, you uh, kind of hit a nail on the head there. He yes. used to, he used to be part of the Empire. He well, oh, he was a I, recruit in I, the Empire. So whoa, hold on, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he at one time was an Imperial pilot, um, oh. but but defected from the Empire and uh, took Chewbacca with him. You know, and he um, and he drained the swamp. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, but you know he. He uh, he doesn't really care what other people think of him, does he? No. And uh, <laughs> even even Han Solo displays some uh, some prejudices, I guess. Uh, if you remember in A New Hope, he he doesn't really care for droids very much. For example, when, oh, really? oh, when yeah. they're getting on the Millennium Falcon, getting ready to go off to Alderaan, the droids say hi to Han Solo as they get on the ship, and he just kind of rolls his eyes. You can tell he's not <laughs> a fan, right? Um, <laughs> they're always trying to shut up C-3PO, who talks too much. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he doesn't care for for protocol. He doesn't care for being polite. He tells people what he wants and tries to get it, as Princess Leia probably could tell you as well. But in um, the, yeah. <laughs> but in the end, he saved the day, and I hope that's true. I mean, in A New Hope, he saved Luke. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he he enabled Luke to make that shot on the Death Star. Right. So, you know, hopefully, uh, Trump does put in the people who will enable some change, right? Who can who can dismantle things that aren't working. And there's clearly things in government that aren't working. And uh and and hopefully you know continue things that, that maybe should continue. But I, I, I feel like we can we can hope for that. We'll we'll see if he if he delivers. Um delivers I've always been skeptical of, yeah. of Trump myself, but bigger fan of Han Solo than Trump all the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to Mike Pence. Um, so this one's obvious. If Donald Trump is is Han Solo, then Mike Pence is Chewbacca, <laughs> uh, his favorite sidekick. Now, but there's more to it than that. Um, it, you know, Chewbacca is mostly quite endearing, just like Mike Pence. Uh, but when needed, he could rip some arms off. I mean, did you see him at the VP debates? He, like, tore Hillary apart. Yeah, I think that... Uh... Obviously, if Trump's Han Solo, he needs a sidekick, right? And right. Uh, and Chewbacca's Chewbacca's Han sidekick. So, I, I think I think some liberals would probably say that, uh, like Chewbacca, they don't they don't really understand what Pence says, right? Uh, <laughs> he comes he, he comes from a part of the country and represents values that um, that, that clearly divide this country. Um, there there are many you know conservatives who who like what what Pence says, you know, he, he's very strong for uh, pro-life causes. He, he, he's not for gay marriage, you know, things like that. And that, that definitely represents a lot of people um, in this country. But at the same time, when he's talking about those things, it's, it's talking right past the other half of the country. Right. And (laughs) those are things that, that they don't want to hear. Wow. How how, how would I go for that? that? That's perfect. Now, uh, can you give us a Chewbacca call? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. That's the best I can do. <laughs> <laughs> That's way better than me. How about you, uh, uh, Kendall? Oh, I don't know. I think I speak Mike Pence's language better than Chewbacca's. I know. I just thought it's so funny in Episode Seven how like 
at the first they didn't understand Chewy, but by the end, like all the good guys did. So, I mean, yeah, I guess they were all conservatives, you know. <laughs> I was hoping by listening, <laughs> I, I was I was hoping by listening to those movies over and over that I'd be able to understand R two D two, and uh, you know, and uh, Chewbacca. Um, next person on the cabinet, uh, Secretary of State is Rex Tillerson. Now he's the CEO of ExxonMobil. That's a, a, a big uh, petroleum company. Um, he's also an engineer. He's a Boy Scout leader. Did you know that? I just found that out today. Hmm. Um, but and most controversial part of him is that he has ties with Russia. And I was looking up some of these ties. Um, the ties were, you know, uh, here was an example. He signed an agreement with Russia to drill in the Arctic. Um, so uh, they're not really conflicts with the U.S. Um, he's just dealt with Russia. Obviously, that's in Trump's um, interest, it seems. Um, but, um, I don't see any dirt on him. Um, uh, Vladimir Putin gave him the order of friendship award in 2013. So obviously they're buddies. Um, and the Trump administration believes we should be buddies now, but who do I sign him, assign him to? Um, I kind of thought, you know, since Rex Tillerson kind of goes, if we are to say Russian is the bad guy, um, like mo- many Americans are saying, um, he kind of goes freely between the other side and our side. And, you know, what I always always noticed in Star Wars is that's what the droids did. The droids were always walking in the battlefield and nobody cared for them, particularly like C-3PO and R2-D2. So I would say that Rex Tillerson is C-3PO. Um, he, he's been a servant to Jabba the Hutt, who was a great enemy. Um, on the Death Star, nobody really cared to shoot at the droids. Um, yeah. Uh, do you agree with that, Jaron? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in Star Wars, droids are sort of, you know, commonplace, right? No one really pays them much attention. Sure, they have personalities and they can think for themselves to some degree, but uh, people don't really give them much respect or, like I said, they just don't pay attention to them. They're they're in the background. And I honestly, when I heard the name Rex Tillerson, I didn't know anything about the guy. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'd never heard much about him. And I, I think, I think uh, that's... That's traditionally what a lot of businessmen have done, right? They they don't necessarily want to be in the news. They they want to run their business and they want to be successful, and and that means uh, being friendly and with with a lot of people, right? Because uh, you you want your business to to thrive in any country, right? Because you know, your business isn't necessarily political, and which might be good as Secretary of State because it's not about our interests or your interests. It's just about people interests, maybe mm-hmm. you know. I, I guess we should explain for our listeners who don't know much about the State Department, that's kind of the diplomatic arm of the U.S. government. And so we have the military, obviously, that engages in wars and conflicts around the world to advance American causes and agendas and policies. And then we have the State Department, which works in the diplomatic sphere, so talking with people, um, signing these agreements, um, a lot of diplomatic work goes on. The embassies and consulates that we have all around the world, that's all under the Secretary of State. That's all under the State Department. So, yeah, having a businessman in there, a lot, there's a lot of different opinions on that. But I think, Sean, where you got it right on the head is that Russia is Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Jabba, Jabba, Jabba. I can't do a Jabba, sorry. That was like a yabba-dabba-doo. Uh, but yeah, I've that should have been more like a... Ho, 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 ho. Hey, that's perfect. <laughs> Just like Vladimir Putin. <laughs> oh, he does have a quite a laugh. Um, perfect. So, okay, uh, next on on the roll is Secretary of Energy, Rick Perry. And this just happened last week that uh, Trump picked Rick Perry. Now, I remember Rick Perry during the election, during the primaries when Mitt Romney was going against Obama. Um, before that, before it ever got down just to Mitt Romney. But I remember when Rick Perry was in there, but he's most memorable for one of his great foibles, one of his gaffes. It was during the debates, and he was talking about how he's going to consolidate parts of government and shut down three agencies of government. And I and I have, I, I looked this up. Um, I'm going to quote from the Rick Perry moment that's called the oops moment. And uh, it's quite ironic. So this is what happened. And this is Rick Perry says, it's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. 
commerce, education, and uh, the uh, – uh, what's the third one? Uh, let, let's see. So <laughs> – and then he tried it again later in the debate. Commerce, education, and uh, – um, and then apparently Mitt Romney stuck in, and he's like, uh, EPA? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, EPA, there you go. Um, but that actually wasn't even the one he was looking for. <laughs> then the moderator's like, he's like, okay, let's try this again. Was it really the APA what he was looking for? And he's like, no, sir, no, sir, uh, take three. Um, here we go. I, I would do away with education, the uh, commerce, and uh, let's see, I can't. The third one, I can't. And then he said, oops. And so that was called the oops <laughs> moment. But what was that third one? The Department of Energy, which is what he's getting um, appointed to, the Secretary of Energy. <laughs> Love that. That's, that's why he gets that's so ironic. And, and, and so, and I felt bad for the guy because I make mistakes all the time. And Kendall, you know, because you are the one who ed- edits them out or keeps them on to make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I thought I'm like, oh, you're gonna edit that out. It's like no. Like when I thought when I nope, said when I was reading the script and said, and this is Kendall Manette. I said that last week and. I thought he's going to take it out. <laughs> anyway, and I could get this award too, but he gets the Jaja Binks award because he's known for his gaffes. But in the end, um, you know, Jaja or Jar Jar. Do I say Jar Jar? Jar right? Jar Jar. Jar Jar, yeah. Depends on if you're having like the Nabu accent. I know, or I'm not. hearing the the British accent, the Nabu. So he gets a Jar, a Jar Jar Binks award. And uh, so, yeah, we're, he's known for his gaffes. Um, but in the end, he became a great leader of the Gungans. Well, I guess I guess we'll see uh, if, if Rick Perry lives up to that. Um, <laughs> obviously, Jar Jar Binks is one of the less popular figures in Star Wars. And <laughs> that was really controversial way of saying that. <laughs> the most made fun of character. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if that's fair to Rick Perry or not, but here we are. And... Uh, Hopefully, hopefully we don't have to hear uh, Rick Perry, you know, uh, doing more of his oops moments, right? right. And yeah. uh, just just like his, just like Jar Jar's roles were role was scaled back later in in the prequel movies. Maybe maybe this is a, a sign of things to come for Rick Perry too. I don't know. <laughs> well. Um... <laughs> And to, we'll see if he if he delivers on getting rid of his department or not. I guess I know, right? Um, <laughs> and maybe he's just going to like put give a breath of fresh air into it or something like that. Um, that's what I I try to think. I'm like, well, maybe he'll like instead of getting rid of his own department, he'll just make it a new hope. No, sorry, I can't say that again. I, he'll will make it, uh, you know, America great again. Energy department. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But to that, I uh, I have to give the gov- the Gungan um, um, sign of approval. Gosh, <laughs> well sorry. played, well played. That's sorry. You could edit that out. <laughs> or edit it in. So it's I know longer. he never does. I'll just I'll just put it at the top of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Un- Uninformed. Okay. Welcome to Un- Uninformed. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, next we have Secretary of Defense James Mattis, known as Mad Dog Mattis. Now, General um, James Mattis. Yeah. So uh, uh, there's a lot that could be assigned to this, and maybe, um, maybe Jaron, you have like a better recommendation. But the best one I could think of is just somebody that everybody everybody likes is quotable for a few things. Admiral <laughs> Akbar. It's a trap. Yeah. The most like the biggest Star Wars meme is definitely it's a trap, and you know, and he's done that yeah. as he's fought many wars. And maybe, maybe you guys, uh, Kendall or, or or Jaren, have something to say about this. Um, Kendall, you have a lot to say about you know uh, Mad Dog Mattis. I you, we've kind of talked about him before. Kendall, do you want to say anything, and then then uh, Jaren will turn it to you. I love it. I love what you said about him being quotable. He totally is, and he's. I think they're both. Um, well-respected military leaders. And the more I hear about Mattis, the more I learn about him, the more I'm impressed with how he's not just the kind of guy who says things that the troops love and um, isn't afraid to speak his mind. There's that quality about him, but he's also very strategic and he's a very human leader. He he exposes, he, he, he makes himself emotionally vulnerable to people in a way that endears him to 
um, obviously to his men, to his allies, but also to enemies. And he, he also thinks very strategically about what his responsibilities are as a military leader. So I like him a lot for the position, definitely. Uh, Jaron, Admiral Akbar, does, does he fit the role? Yeah, I think I think that works. Uh, I mean, Admiral Akbar is clearly a beloved uh, military leader. Uh, he he certainly had the the best interest of his troops in mind at all times. Um, I think I think Akbar in in the Star Wars lore he he's regarded as very circumspect and strategic. He he learns from history and has you know been on the front line for a long time, personally leading his troops. Um, before he ever even took, you know, a uh, higher role. He he also clearly appreciates the sacrifices that are made. Uh, you see in Return of the Jedi, uh, as, you know, there there was that, that moment when when that A-Wing uh, starfighter crashes into the Star Destroyer, and it causes the Star Destroyer to, to crash into the, to, to the Death Star. Um, you see that. And that's one of the great things about the the effects and the makeup that that they they had for Akbar. He, you know, they they made him show emotion and kind of appreciate through his body language the the sacrifice and the, the consequences of, of of his troops' um, efforts. And I, I I've heard a lot of those similar things about Mattis, right? How he is very well read. He 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 learns from history and seeks not just what's best for you know, American policy in any, but he, he wants to leave things better off than they were, even in those nations in which we're engaged in, in warfare, right? Every, everything I've heard from him is, is, is pretty encouraging. Great. Okay. Next up is Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson. Now, this one, we didn't put a lot of thought into him, but he is the token <laughs> black guy on the cabinet. So we had to do put him with Lando. Uh, how do you say his last name? Calrissian. Calrissian. Lando Calrissian. Um, but I mean, I mean, what else do we know about Lando? I mean, he. Uh... Yeah. So so Lando's an interesting character, and you know, there, there's actually a little bit more that he has in common with Ben Carson that you than you might think. Really, uh, really? it is more than skin deep, right? Oh, good. So like like Ben Carson. Lando had a very different career before his career in government. When we get introduced to Lando Calrissian, he is the Baron Administrator of Cloud City. And when when Han Solo and Princess Leia show up, you know Han Solo kind of gives Lando a, a ribbing because he's like, "Oh, look at you! You're in charge now." And and that's not a role that Han Solo had ever seen Lando in before. Was in government and looking out for other people other than himself, right? Because before before Lando became a government leader, he was a businessman, unquote, uh, quote unquote, and uh, you know ran a lot of uh, interesting operations and uh, was always about the the bottom line. Uh, probably involved in a few nefarious uh, plots here and there, and his his allegiance was was just to himself. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that's what uh, Ben Carson was about before sure. his <laughs> taking over his role in government, but he he certainly had a different path other than government, right? Uh, he was he was a brain surgeon, and uh, as as far as we can tell, he he not he he never really had ambition for government uh, before, you know, probably in the last ten years um, is when he's really come out uh, to the public as, you know, wanting to get involved in in government and being involved in politics and that sort of thing. So, you know, both both Lando and uh, Ben Carson come to to government from the private sector and. Uh, in, in ways that, that maybe their friends didn't quite expect. I guess the only runner-up for the token black guy position in the cabinet would be um, Kanye West. And oh, as we wow. learned last week, uh, Kanye West went to Trump Tower and met with Trump for a little while, and afterwards he tweeted um, Kanye 2024, which means... He does not intend to run against Trump in 2020, so that I guess it was a really good meeting. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's gonna run, ever? Well, I guess <laughs> stranger things have happened. I know, because well, just imagine smart. like eight years ago, it's like, oh, he's running for president. That's as crazy as Donald Trump running for president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the jokes on us. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there, there, there's the real candidate for your Jar Jar Award, probably, but <laughs> that's as far but as he I didn't know. make it on the cabinet, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. So and America uh, is grateful, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Misa grateful for that one. Um, so, uh, so White House. Okay, last one um, that I've got on my list is the White House Chief of Staff. Um, help me say his name. Reen. How do you say his name? Ryan's Priebus. Ryan's. Okay, Ryan's Priebus. Um, and so, I, I did a lot of research on him, and I'm trying. I was trying to look for controversial things, like weird things that were just kind of quirky about him, about his past. But he's just a politician, so he's just like the most boring one. I mean, it's just another boring politician. So he is, his Star Wars character is the Senate. <laughs> I, if we could get better than that, great. Um, but he's just the Senate. Yeah, we we talked about this a little bit before. I'll I'll kind of cover the political side if you want to cover the Star Wars side, Jaren. Yeah, go for it. Um, so Ryan's Priebus was the head of the RNC, the Republican National Committee, and so that's the national organization for the Republican Party. He presided over this past year where Trump rose to power and was the nominee for the Republican Party, just like on the Democrat side, Hillary Clinton became the nominee. And so there there are critics, mostly people who are anti-Trump, critics of Ryan's Priebus who said he should have done more to prevent Trump invoked certain rules of the primaries to prevent an outsider like that from happening. Through the campaign, he did not explicitly say, I like Donald Trump above the other candidates. Um, Once he was the nominee, he supported the nominee of his party. But he's mostly, like he said, kind of just a boring administrator. He does have ties to Paul Ryan in the House. So that's a really good thing for Trump because Paul Ryan and Trump have never really seen eye to eye on many issues, but um, putting a, a friend of his in as chief of staff is definitely a, a wise move on Trump's part. Yeah. And as far as the Star Wars angle goes, I mean, the, we, we see a lot of the Senate in the prequel movies, uh, episodes one through three. And in A New Hope, episode four, they casually drop a line that says the Senate has been abolished. And so we don't really see it much in the later movies. But in in the prequel movies, um, you know, we see that the Senate is kind of uh, broken, right? It doesn't doesn't really work. You know, their goal should be to safeguard the, the Republic and, and the, the the laws that 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 limit uh, the, the power there. And really what we see is 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 that they aren't able to to keep uh, Palpatine in check, right? In fact, they they empower him and uh, enable his rise to power, uh, just to be destroyed by by the monster they've created. Wow! And maybe maybe there's something to that with 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 Priebus. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we 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 can certainly hope that uh, he. Uh, you know, does a good job in his role and that Trump doesn't become the emperor like we've discussed previously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the Senate had a lot of potential, right? And uh, they they had jobs to do and in, in Star Wars, they didn't quite do it. Let's hope uh, let's hope real real life can uh, real life uh, humanity can prove us wrong on that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess another interesting thing is the Senate in in Star Wars, I mean, there there were certainly good people there, and I I, I don't know if if if, if Priebus is necessarily you know wanting to, I, I don't I don't know if he has an angle here, if he's um, you know one of one of Trump's uh, go to people like like Bannon or other people who've had a lot of critis- criticisms directed at them, um, maybe maybe he can prove to be a good influence and put some brakes you know on on the pedal from time to time, but. In the end, that's up to uh, him to decide, just like it was the uh, the Senate in Star Wars. So, yeah, we should talk about Bannon. Um, Steve Bannon is the former head of Breitbart, which is a—I was going to say news organization, but I mean, I guess if we're a news organization, then they can be a news organization. Yes, we're, we're bona fide. So, yeah. Um, but uh, Breitbart is known for ultra right wing, um, the alt right movement, um, even. 
supporting uh, white nationalist stories um, and and ideas. And Steve Bannon was put in as chief strategist, and Trump said he'll report directly to him. So kind of on the same level, different department, but same level as the chief of staff, Ryan's Priebus. So, Jaren, we, we couldn't really come up with a Star Wars analogy, a character, but, um, I mean, dark side, light side, where do you think Steve Bannon fits in? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. Time will tell. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know as much about him, but I'm, I'm certainly no fan of, of, of Breitbart and the direction it's taken in the last, you know, several years, especially. But I think that, that you could, you could say that, that Bannon could be, you know, maybe the Darth Vader of, oh, wow. of the situation, right? Except maybe less redeemable. <laughs> well, we'll see, right? Um, he, he certainly let his, his attack dogs out during the campaign. He's controversial and he, he was Trump's, uh, big hitter. He, he did a lot of things and, I would say he probably outsmarted the, uh, you know, the media in a lot of ways, right? People really underestimated what was going to happen in the election. And uh, Bannon and 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 those other folks in that in that group, I mean, they really they really made made uh, made Trump happen. So they certainly yeah. have influence. And I think you know, in in Star Wars lore. Uh, Darth Vader actually isn't that well known outside the the inner workings of the Empire, to be honest. Uh, we're we're super familiar with him, right? Because he's the main character in all the movies, and his his kind of arc is is interesting and you know, starting good and going bad and then being redeemed. But in 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 universe in story, he he's not particularly well known. He's kind of a, a hidden secret uh, really? from yeah from the galaxy at large. You know he's kind of scary looking, and uh, his 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 job is to be the the heavy hitter, right, and to do the will of the emperor, and when when no one else can, right. So if there's a roadblock, Darth Vader's the one that takes that roadblock down, and the empire comes rolling in as a result. And I mean maybe maybe that's how how Bannon is. You know he he certainly wasn't well known before the election, mm. and he. He made he made Trump happen. He he knocked down the roadblocks and engaged a lot of people in a process that you know people the the media underestimated that uh, that direction and that uh, power that that came through there. So and we know that Darth Vader said, "Do not underestimate the power of the dark side." So we should exactly do that. Um, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see um, what happens there, right? Um, we we never really know until somebody gets into a position of power what they're what they're capable of and I, I think Bannon's definitely left people with a bad taste in their mouths regardless of of which political stripe you you have um, but yeah we'll we'll see we'll see what comes out of all this this Trump presidency yeah one interesting note on Bannon the Economist did a piece recently on Breitbart which is his uh, news website and how they are becoming an international organization. They're moving into um, certain countries in Europe, especially with a lot of these elections coming up in Europe next year. And it was just interesting, the remark that they made that um, Breitbart tries to propagate nationalism. Um, so America first, if you're in America or if you're in Germany, Germany for Germans, you know, that kind of uh, ideology. But they're becoming international nationalists. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting development. And I think um, by all estimates, they'll continue to grow. So it's, a, it's an organization you're going to want to know about. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully it doesn't turn into the empire. Let, and Okay. So, um, we're, so we're done with that section. But I kind of uh, – to, to kind of wrap things up, let's talk about how in Star Wars and in politics there is a dark side. And as from what I understand, um, the dark side, they get their power from anger, where the good side um, is more for the sake of good for being good. Um, and so we saw that a lot with this, uh, this the campaign. Um, and let me just tell you, like, how personally it was for me. 
like when um, we hear about like all of the the racists and like the the people that were the Trump supporters that were considered like deplorables. Um, you know, sometimes that did bother me that there were a lot of uh, there was a rise to racism and and uh, you know kind of creating barriers like that and how anger was kind of fueling that. And so for me, I really like saw I'm like oh no like I could see the the dark side surfacing. But then, you know, Trump became president, and then, um, you know, the following weeks we had some protests. And I remember thinking about those protests, and I'm like, man, these protests are like the dark side. Like, people are doing crazy things out of anger. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Those are two different sides of the political spectrum. I, and for, for the longest time, I thought those were the same deplorables that, that uh, you know, <laughs> Hillary Clinton was talking about. But it was on the opposite side. So, so anger w- didn't find itself, you know specifically with Democrats or Republicans, it was widespread. And and I think we see that ambiguity in Star Wars as well, is that um, it's not really clear which side is the dark side and which side is the good side, but anger. Well, even um, before the election, when, when Hillary Clinton called a bunch of these people deplorables, which is just a weird way to put it, by the way, a <laughs> basket of deplorables. I know. But, I, um, well, now I'm using it, so it is... <laughs> It's rubbing Catching off. on. Oops. Way to go, Hill. Yeah. Um, but um, to call people deplorable just because they're from the different a different side of the political spectrum, you know, that's that's a form of this uh, negativity that I think you're talking about, Sean. Yeah, I, I think so. So, uh, uh, Jaron, weigh in on this. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've definitely seen the dark side surrounding this election, right? And and uh, it. <laughs> It's been on every side, whether you're pro-Trump or pro-Hillary or against either one of them. I think we've all kind of given in a little bit to the dark side. And and Yoda defined the path to the dark side as anger, fear, and aggression, right? The, they're, and he said that, that they flow easily. And uh, I, I think that that's, that's kind of our natural human nature, right, is to give in to feelings of fear and anger, and they're because because they are so emotional they're 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 the, they're the easiest feelings to experience right and they're the easiest things to use to motivate people whether it's to motivate people to fight alongside you or um to fight against something else um and i think that i think i think the media i think the political parties i think everyone involved knows that and the, the stories, the headlines, um, the way they talked in in the campaign, it all fed that that fear and that anger. So, so I think we need to be careful. And, but, and so, but fortunately, the Star Wars saga, I mean, the original trilogy with ep- ending with Episode Six, has a good ending. And from what I and, and this actually, <laughs> um, I'm just gonna admit, like Episode Six has affected my life a little bit. Because I was, <laughs> this is this is where it gets religious, right? Um, just that that the dark side was overcome in episode six, and there was reconciliation with Darth Vader that had given in to the dark mm-hmm. side. Be, but it required Luke having the purest intentions, um, abandoning anger, fear, and aggression, dropping his lightsaber, and being willing to die to reconcile his father. And so I think that's quite powerful, and that's what I, I realized, like, how powerful, even though uh, it seems like the dark side, is, uh, sometimes we feel like it's more powerful, um, Yoda makes it clear that it's not. And so there was reconciliation with uh, Luke, you know, lay, laying down his weapons, and talk a little about that, um, Jaron. Yeah, um, in in Return of the Jedi, yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. I mean, Yoda... Or Luke actually initiates the conversation. He asks Yoda. He said, "Is the dark side more powerful?" And Yoda says, "You know, it's 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 easier and more seductive. And if if we're willing to to get past the 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 fears that we have, we we can find that peace, right? And that that was sort of the intention of the Jedi, right? Is to serve others ahead of yourself. And the, the dark side focuses on the self, right? On selfishness and personal power. 
and the fear of losing that power, whereas the Jedi are, are much more focused on the outside and making things better around them. And in the end, that's what Luke chooses, right? Uh, he gives up that fear of losing himself to the dark side. He gives up the fear of losing his friends you know, in, in the war, and he realizes that that that's the hard path, but that's the right path. Otherwise, he'll he'll be consumed by the dark side. And I think I think we need to come to that same conclusion, right? And uh, maybe it just starts with all of us individually at the holidays, you know, getting past politics and looking at our our friends and relatives as who they really are, as people. <laughs> right. And and there's plenty of things to talk about besides politics, because guess what? None of us can solve those problems by ourselves anyway. And guess what? Star we can Wars. Talk about Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars exactly. is, is in theaters right in time for the holiday season. Exactly. Why don't Why don't we all go to Star Wars together instead? I I, I will happily uh, watch Star Wars with anyone, liberal or conservative. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I think we nailed it um, with uh, Star Wars and politics, and I thought we could never match them together. It couldn't have happened without you, Jaron. Thanks so much for joining us on our show. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I'll be around next year when Episode Eight comes out. Yes. And the year after that, a Han Solo movie comes out. And the year after that, when Episode Nine comes out. I can't wait. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jaron. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked the episode, subscribe to our show on your podcast app. So if you're listening to this via a Facebook link. Don't. Well, just kidding. It's just better in the app. Um, uh, then you don't have to hunt us down on Facebook. Yeah, the app's just easy to use. Um, you just tap it and get the latest episode. Yep. On an iPhone, that's the purple app called Podcasts. On Android, we recommend Pocket Casts. Oh, it's on, it's on iPhone use... as well. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So, but you can use whatever app you want just as long as you're subscribed. And some of them even have the setting where it downloads automatically on Wi-Fi. So that's great. <laughs> Our theme music is provided with permission by D.D. Dumbo, and thank you each so much for listening. Your support really keeps us going. This has been Ununinformed with Kendall Monette. And I'm Sean Seavey. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with listening. You can do whatever you want. You can basically. do whatever you want. Free country. Um, so that's so you can get every episode. Or you can just visit our website at ununinformed.com. That's un-uninformed.com. Thanks, guys, and may the Force be with you. Perfect. Is that lame? <laughs> yeah, but, that, I, but it's good. <laughs>